and 2. Every date that's ever mentioned acknowledges that 2,022 years ago, Jesus paid a price. There's before Christ and there's after Christ. He split history in two, just as he split your history, your life in two as well. You have a before Christ and you have an after Christ. Amen. He paid the price 2,022 years ago. There's one who seeks to separate us from God. and Jesus came to restore us back to God. There's one that seeks for you to be unwell. Jesus came that you might be healed. There's one that comes to kill, steal and destroy. Jesus came to heal, to restore, to redeem, to forgive and to heal. Amen. Come on, let's give, let's give him a round of applause. Thank you, Jesus. And let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the price that Jesus paid. I thank you that because of that price, your mercy is in you every day. That your word says we can come boldly and confidently before the throne of grace. To receive grace and mercy in time of need. And there might be a person here tonight desperately in need of his mercy. And his word promises that if you confess your sins, he's righteous and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And so there isn't one unworthy tonight, one unworthy to come into his presence tonight. There isn't one unworthy to fellowship with him and with us tonight. We are united by his blood. We are united as a family by the blood of Jesus. And we thank you we can come together tonight, Jesus, to hear from you, to seek you, to worship you. We love you, Lord. We ask you to take this service. Holy Spirit, we commit it into your hands. We thank you for Pastor Tony. We thank you that he's anointed that he's also paid the price to bring your word tonight, your everlasting word. Thank you that it never returns void, but it's going to create miracles as it goes forth tonight. It's going to heal as it goes forth tonight. It's going to transform lives as it goes forth tonight. Mindsets are going to change tonight because of the power of the word of God. We thank you, Lord, and we give you all the glory for what you're going to do here tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Hallelujah, indeed. All right, kids, you are released, set free. Amen. All right, just a few announcements about the kids' room in case you're new here. So it's for kids that are four years old and up. So if your kids are under four, they'll just have to stay in the service with you. You can hang up the back or in the foyer. And if you want to visit your kids during the service, please use the door outside. Don't use this door here. It'll just disrupt them and disrupt us. There is a request for mums uh, from the mums with prams. Um, the back row against the wall.
been requested that that be reserved for mums with prams. So all the people comfortable on the back wall, sorry, but if, if you wouldn't mind moving, we've just got so many mums with prams. Thank God we're, we're multiplying, right? We're, we're expanding. It's just too many prams, too many babies. So sorry, fellas, off the wall. Uh, dads with prams, of course, as well. Let's, let's be politi- pol- politically correct here. I can't even pronounce it. <laughs> All right. And um, just a reminder, there is another service on. So as we're leaving tonight, just be, let's just keep the volume down as we're heading down the stairs just to respect them. And uh, we're also on, on Wednesday nights at 7.30 in the room downstairs. So you're more than welcome to join us then. But... Um, yeah, who's excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight? Let's let's never grow familiar. Let's never grow old um, with our our pastors and what they bring. Um, it's easy when you when you're sitting under amazing teachers to, uh, teaching to take it for granted or to grow familiar with it. But uh, let's never do that as a body because um, Pastor Tony lives what he preaches, and um, and God works through him mightily. And we just have amazing leaders to glean from. And uh, why don't we stand to our feet and welcome Pastor Tony tonight. G'day. How you doing? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. It's an honor and a joy that we can come into your presence, Father. We don't come in as slaves, we come as sons and daughters. We sit at your feet and we ask you to speak to us as children. We thank you, Father, for the wonderful gift of the cross that Jesus paid the ultimate price. He shed his blood to open up heaven, to redeem us, to set us free. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that's amongst us. He is the teacher. Have your way tonight. Without you, Lord, we are nothing. So we declare that Jesus is Lord over this meeting. We get to participate in what God's doing on this earth. Lord, we want to leave today different than the way we walked in. We want to see you bigger than we've ever seen you before. We want to see you magnified in our hearts. And we give you praise. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You can be seated. Welcome. If you're new here, you're welcome. You're part of family. I'm going to sit down again because I'm lazy. It's awesome to be with you this Sunday. It's a beautiful day today, wasn't it? Better than cold. You know, it's interesting when we, um, we get together as a body and, you know, whenever we prepare a message and, you know, I'm pretty sure I'll speak on behalf of Rabs and myself, we don't just share something for the sake of sharing it. We really try and, at, you know, most times hear what the Holy Spirit's trying to say to us. And it could be just a drop in our spirit and, you know, a message that God's leading us because the church is a body and the body has a head. And our head is Jesus, amen? And have you, ever seen some, have you ever seen a chicken with his head cut off? Sorry, kids. <laughs> but when I was young, I remember 
they wanted to have um, a barbecue. And that's in the day where you're allowed to chop chickens' heads off. And I thought, I want to see this. And the minute they chopped its head off, it went crazy and I ran for my life. Honestly, I think it would have broke, broken the 100 meter sprint. That's how fast I ran. But this chicken went everywhere. It was like, shouldn't it be dead? So when you chop the chicken, what happens? The nerves and things just flies. It ended up in the next door neighbor's house. I tell you, Aussie neighbors did not like it. Blood everywhere. <laughs> and the body couldn't function without the head. What makes us think we can function without Jesus? Amen? So Jesus is the ultimate head of the church. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And tonight I want to share a message, and I don't want you all to get jittery because I'm saying something about a demon, and oh my God, and you know he's preaching some stuff there, a wacko, and just because Parramatta, because New South Wales lost, he wants to go preach sermons that are hard. And I tell you what, demons will knock on my door Wednesday night, I tell you. Uh, yes, I've repented, so relax. But tonight's message is about the danger of having an empty house. And we're going to explain it. The danger of an empty house. And let's go to it. Let's read it and then we'll see what the Lord wants to show us. It's uh, Luke eleven twenty four. 24. And for those who don't have a Bible, am I in the way? Can you see the screen? Luke eleven twenty four, Awesome. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when he comes and he finds it swept and put in order, then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of this man is worse than the first. Now, let's put this in context. Now, a lot of people have heard this preach over years, and they very dangerous taking Scripture out of context. That's how cults start. <laughs> it's very dangerous to pull a Scripture to make it say what you want it to say because you come from a worldview and you come into the Bible. I often say, when I first started reading the Bible, I was not that smart, and I had a, a worldview of what I thought. But when I understood that the Bible reads me, I don't read the Bible. And I can't come and bring my preconceived ideas into the Scripture. I have to allow the Scripture to work its way out into me. And I often say, always read it in context. And sometimes I'll read a Scripture or a, a parable or an allegory or a, a story that Jesus is telling. And I might have to read two, three chapters before. You might think, why? Because we've got chapters and verses, but... When Jesus spoke, he didn't say chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. Chapter 2, and the Word was God. Chapter 3. No. We've actually, the translators, when they translated, added chapter and verse. And sometimes when we read, and if you've been around long enough, you've probably heard me say this, but we read the Bible sometimes, or, or the books of the Bible, like a novel. I read chapter 1, tomorrow I read chapter 2. Okay, that's fine. But as you start to search out the Scripture, you know that, just because it says chapter 1 over, it's chapter 2, doesn't mean Jesus stopped speaking. Sometimes when you read a book, the next chapter is a new story or continuation. So when we read it in context, especially my Bible, it's got Jesus' words in red. You've got a paper Bible or you've got it on your phone. When Jesus is speaking, sometimes he's speaking two, three chapters. So you need to read through to understand because he's painting a picture. And I've said this before, and there's a lot of new people here, so I might as well say it again. If I was painting this picture, and I couldn't, I'm a painter, but I couldn't paint to save my life, but you know. 
No, I'm a good painter, all right? Don't laugh. But I can't paint a picture. But if I was painter and I painted that window and you started to see me paint that window because he's only just painting a window and you ran off and said he's painting a window. But Jesus, when he's speaking, he's painting a picture of that window. Then he's talking about the wall. He's talking about the floor. He's talking about the roof. He's You're getting a full picture of what Jesus is trying to portray. He's not just... So when we take a scripture out of its setting, we're taking the skirting board. He goes, oh, I don't need a skirting board. And this is a very dangerous place to be. But when Jesus is speaking, like here, this, spirit, this, this scripture, he's talking about a man who had a, a demon. An unclean spirit is a demon. To clarify any of this, I was talking to a man years ago, and he worked with suicide people. It was some organization that helped people with suicide. He was doing a great work. He himself uh, was suicidal and the Lord delivered him and he got over it and he started to help people in this, in this ministry. And we're talking one day around a table and we start talking about the realm of the demonics and he jumped up and people were arguing about different things and, and in the beginning of my journey, God threw me in that realm early and I understood that we do not fight against flesh and blood against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, evil spirits in high places. And we're discussing a few things, and it just the conversation changed. And this man, I love him to death, and he's moved on since then, but he said to me, oh, I don't believe in demons. I said, sorry? He goes, no, 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 I just think it's a, it's a, it's a thought of your imagination. I said, because you're working with suicide people, and you don't believe in demons? And we went on to discuss a few things. And I learned very quickly in my walk of the Lord that you ignoring something doesn't change the, the fact. Just because you don't want to touch that realm and I'm not into that realm and I just want to be a nice, lovely Christian and I want to bless people and I don't want to... You've you got to understand you're in a fight and you're part of the fight and whether you like it or not, you're in the middle of it. The devil hates your life. You know, and we get this idea that the devil loves the world and hates Christians. No, he hates everybody. The reason why... People, we think they love the world. He's destroying the people in the world because they don't know he exists. Because you remind him of him, the Father. The Bible says we're made in God's image and likeness. We might have lost the image, but we still like him. We, we, remind, we remind the devil. Every time he sees us, he reminds, he reminds him of him. Especially Jesus. So we get this idea, well, the devil loves some people. No, no. He hates you. He's the father of lies, and he wants to destroy your life. How's that for a Sunday night message? But if you read it in context, and because of the sake of time, I would have loved to start it the other way around, but you know, everyone that knows me knows I've got no idea sometimes. Just joking. But in the beginning of Luke 1, it says the model prayer. They ask Jesus, how do we pray? And if anyone's been around long enough, you must be living under a rock if you don't know the Our Father, all right? And he goes, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm feeling led to teach on this a bit later, but the whole steps of the our Father. So the first thing he says to his disciples, this is how you ought to pray, or this, pray like this, our Father. The first sentence would have blown the disciples away. Why? Because they didn't see God as a Father. They were too scared to even write Yahweh's name. They would abbreviate it because of the reverence they had, just in case they upset him because they spelt it wrong or just because they didn't give it enough. They were scared that he'd kill them. 
So they had a reverence for God out of this world. So their perception of God was almighty creator. He was their, he was their God and they were his people. But no one had a concept of the father as in a father and a son relate. That's why they wanted to kill Jesus. He says, you're trying to be equal with God saying you're his son. And he taught about the our father. And just to jump down quickly, in the next story, he talks about a man knocking on a friend's door wanting bread. He goes, I've got a friend that's come from a long journey. I've got no bread. Can I have some bread? And his friend says, go away, man. Kids are asleep. I'm asleep. The door's shut. Leave me alone. And Jesus says that this guy kept persisting. And he finally gets up and he gave him all he wanted. And he didn't give it to him because he was his friend. He gave it to him because he was annoying him. And then he talks, the next verse, the next chapter talks about, ask you shall, ask you and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. And knock on the door will be open to you. And he talks about, you know, those who ask will receive. And those who knock, seek and will find. And those who knock, the door will be open. So speaking about persistence. You know, how many times have you prayed for something and never came to pass, you stopped praying? How many times did God ask you to do something, but you've given up because it hasn't worked out the way you want it to work out? Or you're the picture of your life. And he's saying, listen, keep coming to the Father. Ask. But see, you don't ask. People say, you, you pray and receive not because you ask for the wrong thing. Or you pray amiss. In other words, do you know the promises for God for your life? Because if I'm asking out of God's will, I will not receive it. If I ask in God's will, I have to receive it. You see, I need to know the promises of God. And this is what, so he's talking about the Father, our Father. Then he's talking about a guy who wanted something. And it's interesting, he wanted bread. And our Father says, give us our daily bread. He's talking about now, he's revealing the Father. He's revealing service in the kingdom. Here he talks about knock and you'll find and, and, and all this. And then he says, you, if your kids ask you for bread, you give them a snake? Or if you ask, let me read this quickly. Don't, you don't have to go there. If you who ask, you seek, you'll find, and the door will be open to you. And he says, if a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead of the fish? Or if he asks for egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And look what Jesus says. If then being evil, saying you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Everyone say, how much more? Your heavenly Father will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask Him. You don't receive the Holy Spirit because you're holier than thou. You don't receive the Holy Spirit because your genealogy comes from Israel. You don't receive the Holy Spirit because someone, when you were three years old, told you you did. No, you receive when you ask. Everything is by faith. The Holy Spirit is waiting and hovering like the deep waters to enter your world. Can someone say amen? And religion has robbed you from the Holy Spirit because every Christian I know acknowledges the Holy Spirit. They do, but they just do not know him. And he's an outcast in the church. I know because I grew up in a denomination that taught me about Jesus, taught me about God, but I did not understand the Holy Spirit. We say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We acknowledge the Trinity. Do we not? Come on. But we're all brothers in the Lord, but we did not go that next step and say, where are you, Holy Spirit? Because the Bible says that Jesus left to send us the Holy Spirit. See, he says, better that I go. Why is it, Lord, better than you go? We saw you crucified. We saw you in the tomb. And we saw you rise from the dead. But I better go. But why is it better than you go? 
He says, because if I don't go, the one, the Holy One from God, my Father, the promise from my Father won't come. The Spirit of truth, he'll guide you into all truth. It's better that I go. The parakletos in the Greek, in the Greek means one just like me. See, Jesus, if he's on this earth today, and you've heard this a million times, I'm seeing a lot of faces here. So if Jesus was on the earth today, in my mind, it's better that he stays. But when I know the scripture, it's better that he left. Why? If he was in Jerusalem today, how many people are lined up to see him? And I want to go, I've got a need, get in the plane, go fly to Jerusalem, wait in line in Jerusalem. There's four trillion people in front of me. How long is this going to take? And being Lebanese, I would have tried to rot at the system and bribe everyone to get up to the front. And unfortunately, being Mary at the door says, no, you can't get in, mate. Sorry. He says, better that I go. Why? Because Jesus it was a man. Yes, he was divine. He is the man. He has to sleep. He has to eat. Even when he was resurrected, he ate. But when he sends the Holy Spirit, just like him, the parakletos, which means parallel, parallel to him, he can live in every heart of every man at the same time. And the Bible says he doesn't speak of himself. He only hears and speaks of what he hears from the throne. Come on, somebody. And then he goes on to say, a house divided itself cannot stand. Jesus heals a man who's dumb, a, a dumb spirit. He couldn't speak. He's a mute, the Bible says. And he casted out that spirit and he could heal. And guess what? People rejoiced, but the Pharisees got upset. They got jealous. They said, this guy uses Belzebad. Now, the word Belzebad means the prince or the king of flies. Devil is the king of flies. Remember we spoke about the anointing a few weeks ago, a month ago maybe? Says the only way when, you, when the anointing goes off, it attracts flies and dead flies make the stench of their anointing smell terrible. And they're accusing Jesus now, you're using the prince of demons to cast out demons. And Jesus says, hang on a second. If I'm using the demon to cast out a demon, how can a, a kingdom divided against itself stand? It can't stand. Satan can't cast out Satan. But if I cast out devils with the finger of God, how do you cast them out? Because they, they should have been casting them out and they weren't. And he goes on to say that um, the next verse, then, then we hit the story I just read about the unclean spirit. So he's painting a picture. Are you with me? He's painting a picture. He's now brought up the Our Father. And the next thing you know, he's talking about demons. Then he's getting accused to be a demon. Then he says, listen to me. I want to tell you something. Because if you read the chapters before, Jesus sent the 72 out, two by two. Remember that story? He had 72 disciples. He goes, go out, two by two. Go into a house and pray for the sick. If they accept you, go in. If they don't accept you, dust your feet and walk off. And they came back excited. They said, Jesus, demons are subject to your name. He says to them, don't rejoice because demons obey my name or obey you in my name. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And here he's talking about this. And he says, it's interesting. He says, a spirit leaves the man. But then he comes back as he comes home. The, de the demon's going out to find rest. Now, I'm not going to get into all that because we'll be here all night. And if you get me talking about that, I'll be here all day. I'm not here to, to upset anyone or make everyone be jittery. And oh my God, this demon. Listen to me. He talks about it as a man. A man gets delivered from a demon. That demon doesn't find rest. He's looking for rest and he cannot find rest. Do you remember the story when Jesus healed the man in the gravesite? He was in chains and he used to break the chains and, and he was full of demons and people couldn't control him. And the Bible says he had legions in him. The argument was how much is a legion? Some say 6,000, some say 12,000. 
So whether he had six or 12 or one, this man was demon-possessed. And guess what? He ran and fell at the feet of Jesus. And he casted him out. And look what the demons say. Have you come to torment us before our time? Throw us into the pigs, the swines. He goes, all right. And then they all jumped off the cliff and fell in the water. That's the first case of swine flu. The swine flu. <laughs> Choking. And they want to find rest. This demon can't find rest. But it's interesting. Stop laughing, Mary. He says, when he comes back, in verse 25, the demon comes back and finds it swept, put into order. When he comes back, he finds it swept and put into order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than themselves. And then the, they enter and dwell there. And the last state of this man is worse than the first. It's interesting that he comes and sees the house clean, swept, and in order. You know, it's interesting. I want to talk to you from the perspective of a Christian, not a non-Christian tonight. Because we could talk about this and say, well, that means that these Christians are, haven't got the spirit of God. They've got the spirit of the devil in them and all this sort of stuff. But I want to talk to you from a perspective of a believer. The Bible says that the house is clean, swept, and in order. And in my journeys, in my 20 years of serving the Lord, I've seen so many people cleaned, house swept, everything's in order, but empty. You know, when you come to know Christ, he cleans you from the blood, amen? He comes to put you back into order with him. But there's an onus on you to fill the house with something. What are you meant to fill it with? Come on. See, the house is empty. Now, he's talking about the Holy Spirit here earlier. If the Holy Spirit isn't guiding you in your walk, now he's talking about a house, talking about you. We've got a picture here. It's, it's our body we're talking about. But we can collectively say, what about your household? I remember a guy, he came to the Lord many years ago. He had a radical conversion. I'm telling you, drugs, alcohol, gambling, women, everything. He was making up things. That's how much he broke them. He wanted to make up more. And he had a radical conversion with the Lord. He had a massive encounter with Jesus Christ. And he came and he changed his life. Who can testify to God changing your life? Come on. And he came into this right place. But then after a while, he got to a place where I'm not doing these bad things anymore, these evil things anymore. And it was a great place to be. But he stopped fellowship. He stopped reading his word. He stopped, he stopped being committed. And now he started to fall back into the world. He never went back to his lifestyle, praise God. But he thought, I don't do those things anymore. And I don't do what the enemy tried to get me to do. And he would tell everyone his testimony. But guess what he did? He never filled the house with the word of God. He never filled the house with the Holy Spirit. You know, his end was worse than the beginning. You know why? Give me a guy that comes to fellowship and falls every day, but comes and knows that he's falling and he's asking for repentance, asking for God's grace. Then someone who's sitting back as I've made it and the enemy sneaks into his house and destroys him. Because the house is empty. See, even in the Holy of Holies, God's presence was there in the ark. But the Bible says they had to furnish the temple with the candlesticks, the showbread, the incense, all these things that there was activity. 
People would minister to God day and night in the temple. The priests would come and trim the lampstand with us, you know, the menorah where you've got the six candlesticks, represents Christ. And we can teach on that another time. But the only thing the priest had to do, because there's oil running through it, and, and it was bright, and the light was the sight, the light of God's word shining on the bread, the showbread, which is the bread of life. That's all these symbolic things. But there was activity in the temple because they were worshiping God in the temple, and the priest would come and trim the wick to make it burn brighter. It speaks of the flesh. God trims us so we can burn brighter. There was activity. That's why fasting and prayer, it fills your house. It fills your inner man. I don't fast to move God. Me giving up food does not move God. Jesus hangs on a cross and I give up food. It doesn't change God, but it changes me into believing what God did on the cross. My money that I give to the Lord is not going to... God owns the silver and the gold. He doesn't want my money, but I'm not. Whatever, Lord, you want, I'm willing to give. If someone knocks on my door at midnight, go away, I'm sleeping. And the Lord says, but hang on, he needs bread. See, your house, apathy, is the biggest destruction for your Christian walk today. I'm too tired to come. I'm too tired to read. I'm too tired to give. I'm too tired to serve the Lord. Too tired. And what happens is we get to a place where I'm not living in that demonic realm anymore, but guess who's knocking on my door? The demonics. And why? Because my house is empty. And it's interesting that seven, he goes and gets seven times. He knows, hang on, the house is clean, so there's something going on here. He knows it's in order. Oh, this is different. Because he says this is my house. He actually thinks he owns the house. See, the devil knows he's legal right more than Christians know their legal right. You know that? Do you know your legal right in the spirit? People talk about the cross of Calvary. Do you know what he did at the cross? Can you put up that William Booth lady? This is the lady. Everyone know the Salvation Army? That's the wife of William Booth. William Booth was the starter. He started the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army today do great works in the social justice, but they've walked away from the Holy Ghost. Sorry to tell you. They don't even believe in... William Booth spoke in tongues. He used to, The Salvation Army was to go out in the street and preach repentance and get people saved. Now it's become an organization. Great people in there, but they've moved away from the things of the Spirit. They've become empty. But look what she says. A, a salvation that does not lead to service is not a salvation at all. If you get saved and there's nothing in you to serve God, now you may not be a preacher, you may not be a teacher, you may not be doing any, but you may be called to serve God in any capacity of your life. And you don't, you have to question if you're saved. I'm not putting anyone down here. I'm just saying, the minute I got born again, my whole life, Jesus says in, in, in Luke, I just read it, and it wasn't part of my notes. He says, you think I come to bring peace? We know he's the prince of peace, isn't he not? He says, do I think, you think I came to bring peace? He says, I come to divide families. Now put it in context, all right? So. He goes, up to you, the father will turn on mother, mother will turn on brother, brother will turn on sister. Why? Jesus didn't come to divide you. He says, my word will start dividing you. The truth of God's word. I remember this guy talking about a married couple. And he went to visit him. And he said, he left there. And he says, man, this married couple. Wow, Lord, I can't believe it. They are the model Christian couple. We should base all the teachings of the church on this couple. They are unbelievable. They love one another. Oh, he, he just couldn't believe it. And he said, the minute he sat in the car, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. He says, yeah, but wait till one of them gives their life to me. Because they're Christians, because they're Christians, they're serving one another. No one's serving me. 
Wait till one of them says, this is what we're going to do and watch what happens. See, our life is for him. Now, if your house is filled with religion or filled with legalism, you're in trouble. Now, you don't fill it with that. You fill it with the word of God. You fill your inner man with the word of God. You fill your man with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, who guides you into all truth. See, just because you don't do the wrong things doesn't protect you from the enemy. That's another fallacy. I don't do bad things. And you want a reward for doing what's right. I better get to my notes, eh? That's the introduction. I love Jesus. Sometimes you think he says something out of left field, but he's not actually changing. He's actually coming home with a point. And some things that we understand and we don't understand, and you see, the Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In Acts, it says, God does not dwell in any man-made temples. Not, don't stone me. That's what the Bible says in Acts. Don't shoot the messenger. God does not dwell. After the cross and Jesus rose from the dead, the Holy Spirit left it. Do you remember the story? Jesus dies on the cross. He says, it is finished. He gives up his spirit. The Bible says there's an earthquake. The temple veil is tall from top to bottom in the Holy of Holies. And guess what? The Spirit of God left the temple that day. He didn't come back to Pentecost when he fell and dwelled in the hearts of men. And he says, God will no longer dwell in man-made temples. He's dwelling back with his people just like he originally ordained it in the Garden of Genesis. So now you have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Psalm 127.1 Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. If Christ isn't the center of your life, I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how big your family is. I don't care how big reputation you got. If Christ is not the center, then your house is built in vain. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about Christ. Very easy to mistake in religion for Christ. Unless the Lord builds it, we build in vain. You know, one of the reasons that the house is empty is that I don't want conflict. I don't need conflict. I don't want family members to hate me. <laughs> you know, many, many said they believed. Many of the, um, the religious Jews or Pharisees believed in Jesus secretly, but never came out publicly because they were in fear of the Jews because they love, look what it says. I can understand that. Religious people in fear of the Jews. Look what the Lord says. Because they love the praises of man more than the praises of God. If you're worried about what people are saying about you, then you have fear of man, not fear of God. Now, it hurts when someone talks about you. And usually when they're closest to you. But does it surpass the knowledge of knowing how good Jesus is? I was going to hell, and I don't care what my mom said, what my dad said, what my brother said, what my next-door neighbor said. I don't care what my... Uh... I don't care, because I love him because what he's done for me. They were scared of what man. The reputation is before man, not before God. And I honor God before man. 
The house is empty because you're not willing to take some punches. I remember when the family came against me and, you know, for many different reasons. I remember my heart was broken and I had the Lord speak to my heart. And he said, Tony, are you willing to take a bullet for your family? Yes. Are you willing to, someone came to attack your family, your mom, your brother, your dad, your sister. Would you stand in the way? Because of course I would. Because that's what you're doing right now. Even though they're coming against you, the enemy's throwing bullets. But you're taking the bullets because one day I'm going to bring them into the kingdom. That's the promise of God. See, I've got to make sure that my house is always full. Because if I don't fill my house and it's empty, guess what it's full of? It's full of me and it's full of me. You thought I was going to say it, didn't you? Have you heard someone who's full of himself? That's what I said to you. Self-righteousness and self-pity is the same spirit. It's all about me. I don't want to serve God in that way because I don't want persecution. I want my house. You know what? I love God and the things of God. You know, the biggest danger is that I love God. Things I love God, but, but there's no commitment to God. But imagine if that guy, Jason, was like that. Who knows Jason? Not Jason Bourne. Let's go to Acts chapter 17, verse 5. No one knows Jason because I don't even know who Jason was, all right? <laughs> There's a man named Jason, and he was a believer in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, up the road from Guildford, around the corner from Punchbowl, all right? I don't know. But where we get the book of Thessalonians, God, uh, Paul went to Thessalonia and Thessalonica. And there's a guy named Jason there. All right. Paul and Silas are preaching and stirred up the crowd. They would go to the synagogue every week and preach Jesus the Christ who had to suffer. Now they turned on these guys and said, we've had enough of this guy because he's saying Jesus is king and he's going against Caesar, who's our king. So they raid this guy named Jason. And I don't know if I'm giving, yeah, that's the one. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in uproar, attacked the house of Jason. There he is, our mate. And sought to bring him out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out. I love this bit. Crying out. These who have turned the world upside down have come here now. Jason has harbored them or has hidden them. In, these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. Imagine if, if, if Jason wanted a nice Christianity. He just wanted to love Jesus and do what, all the right things. But I don't want anyone troubled by anybody. I don't want to, oh, no, I guess Paul and Silas are in town. Come over. Come over. He didn't think, oh, maybe they come after me. Maybe my family's going to turn against me. Maybe the village will turn against me. No, 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 no. He didn't want that nice house that's clean and in order. I'm willing to wreck my order for the things of the kingdom. And they took him out. And look what they says. These people that have turned the world upside down have come here. The gospel turns the world upside down, people. If your house is in order, have you ever been to it? No, I said, I won't get up. Have you ever been to a museum? Everything's in order. It's beautiful. It's clean and everything. But there's no life there. There's memories, but there's no life. You ever been to someone's house? That house is spotless 24-7. You're not game enough to go to the toilet. You go to the toilet, my God, I'm taking this. Give me a brush. I've got to fix it all up. You're too scared to go to the toilet. Because it's spotless. And there's nothing wrong if you're a clean, if you're a clean freak, it's okay. 
We'll pray for you later. No, I'm joking. OCD. You walk, they mop behind you. I'm joking. But imagine a house that it's, it's just, you can't use it. That's that. Remember my cousin, they built this house. He waited all his life to build this big house. And he goes, I'm not allowed to use the ensuite. I'm not allowed to use the bathroom. I'm going to go talk to the toilet outside. My, my wife doesn't want to clean the house. I go, well, what was the point of building a house? But I'm joking about it, but I'm thinking that if you want your life in order, the order you make is not order at all. We all want a nice, we don't want to get persecuted. We don't want to upset. I'm not here to upset anyone. I'm not here to, uh, but here it says that these guys have turned the world upside down. Why? The gospel turns the world upside down. And for them, for those who don't really understand the demonic realm and think that this is just a fairy tale, and for those who, and can I say this, I come out of a culture that did things in the name of Jesus and it was not Jesus. For those who go and seek the afterlife and go seek clairvoyance, they go seek things. Just because you go speak to someone who's spiritual and it comes to pass doesn't mean it's from God. Be very careful. Acts 16, 16. Say amen when it's there. Now it happened as they went to pray. This is talking about Paul and Silas. A certain slave woman possessed with a spirit of divination met us who, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Verse 17. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. Was she saying anything wrong? She wasn't. Was she promoting these men of God? True. The Bible says she had a spirit in her of divination. She could foretell some futuristic things, whatever they, they were trading in. And they made a lot of money out of her. And now she's following around and saying that these are men of the Most High, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Because there's only one way. His name is Jesus. Even the demonic realm know it. Now, she's in a religious city here. Look what he says. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out, she came, uh, he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that the hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace and to their authorities. This is a woman that was possessed by a spirit. She wasn't cursing God. She wasn't cursing Paul. She wasn't doing anything bad to anyone. She was actually making her masters money. But guess what? She had a demon spirit in her. And Paul says after a couple of days, this girl is annoying me. That demon, come out. She was the, de the demon was proclaiming Paul. It could have been trying to puff up Paul's flesh. It could have been trying to deceive anything. Who knows? But Paul says, enough and get out. If you go to any other spirit other than the Holy Spirit, you're talking to the devil. Sorry to boast your bubbles if you go down that road. I have seen it so many times. The God of this world is the devil. Not everything is supernatural is of God and not everything spiritual is of God. There's a Holy Spirit, and let's put it this way. There's an unholy spirit. All right? Are we still friends? Praise God. And it's interesting to know that 
the day you got saved, born again, spirit filled, the day you got born from above, the day you committed your life to Jesus, whatever way you want to say it, is the day that the Holy Spirit came in and regenerated your spirit. Everything has to leave. Holy Spirit comes in, everything has to leave. Just like the scripture was saying here. But he wants to come back. He thinks he owns you. <laughs> Why seven more than himself? Wicked more than himself. That makes eight. He comes back, looks in, says, wow, there's someone here that we can't fight. Let's go get seven times more. See, the enemy's job is to what? And Dorian touched on it today. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal. It doesn't make sense. Why you, why you steal, kill, and then destroy? Don't you just destroy things? Steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to steal the word out of you. Then he comes to kill your faith. And then your end is destroyed. He can't take your salvation off you. He can't prevent you from getting into heaven if you're, if, if you're saved. What he can do is come and snatch the word out of you. He can come and rob you of your rightful place, your legal right. The sad thing is the devil knows your legal right better than we know our legal right. He's a legalistic. He's, a, he's the accuser of the brethren day and night. And he goes, and he comes back and he says, I'm going to bring seven times worse than myself. Can we put up 1 Corinthians chapter 12? This is something the Lord showed me many years ago. I get so excited when God shows me and there's some stuff that the Lord had shown me in my early days of my walk. Stuff that's that I probably really didn't understand myself in those days, but I do understand now. You understand about mantles and the authority of a father over a home. And listen, listen to the rubbish you're listening on TV in this world. God's ordained and appointed and anointed the father in the home with the mother, but the father is the head. He's the covering and the mother is the nurturing, but together they're one. And there's all these different things. There's an anointing for, not everyone's calling is the same. God anoints and appoints. The mantle is what you walk in and there's so much to it. But this is very interesting. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. I'm not going to go through the scripture. The Bible says that the demon goes to find rest. Doesn't find any rest. He says, it comes back, oh, clean and is in order. Let's get in there before he fills the house because it's empty at the moment. And the Bible says he comes with seven with him. So there's eight. The 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you read it in context, again, he says, when you receive the spirit, God gives the Spirit to those who want it. And in the spiritual sense, he goes, there's gifts, many different types of gifts, but the same Spirit. So you only receive one Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit, there's many different gifts. I'm not talking about the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience. I'm talking about the gift of the Spirit. What comes with the Holy Spirit is the full package. Come on, somebody. When Jesus went to the cross and he went to the cross, most of us think he just died for sin. He died for my sin. I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner and I need a savior. Praise God for that. But on the cross, with the same atonement, he died for our healing. He died for our sickness and our disease. He died for our poverty. The same sacrifice is the same remedy for everything. We've separated them because that's what we do. The devil come under an attack. What does he do? He comes to steal the truth. Revelation knowledge. Here it says that it's one spirit, but what? Now you may not walk in all these gifts, but it doesn't matter whether you walk in them or not. They're in you because it comes from the Holy Spirit. It's like eating an apple and say, I don't want, what's in an apple? What vitamin? Huh? Anyone here, Lord of the 
But a daughter here? Anyone there? All right. Come on, nutrition people. I, want, I need some sportsmen. Chris, I'm a joke. I didn't mean that. All right, let's say an orange. All right, vitamin C, what else is in an orange, Mary? A, B, C, D. I can't eat an orange and say, I don't want the vitamin C. I just want to eat the orange because it tastes nice and the water is in the orange and the skin and whatever. I get the fullness of that apple, whether I know it or not, of the orange. True? When I receive the Holy Spirit, I receive everything he's got in him. I may not walk in it, because I might be swept clean, but my house is not full yet. These are the gifts of the Spirit. Look at the first one. Wisdom. Knowledge. What did, what did Solomon ask for? What did, what did, he who lacks wisdom, let him ask. That's the wisdom of God. In any situation, it could be wisdom in a, in a situation with you, in your family. It could be for someone else. Could be a strategy. It's God type of wisdom. Look at the next one knowledge. What's the Bible say? My people perish due to the lack of. He says, if you, when you receive, receive knowledge. The next one is faith. The faith of God. Now, in the, if you read it in Corinthians, it breaks it down. The faith of God, or the God kind of faith, if you, if you will. Or faith in a time when you don't know what to do. Now everyone here has a measure of faith, do you not? We couldn't have got saved unless we believed in God through faith. The Bible says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Here he's talking about the God kind of faith. Or the faith of God in a situation. When I was in Brazil, we were praying for people. Rabbis could testify this. Things, we would do things in the spirit that we never would normally do. Why? The faith of God came upon us. When I left, I went, wow, what did I do that for? Remember a guy came for prayer and it was in the church and me, Rabs and I were praying and this guy came up and he came up and his hand's dead. Uh, I said to the translator, what's going on? He goes, he broke his arm in a motorbike accident and never got it fixed. It's a limb. It's just dead limb. So I thought, okay, I'll do what I know. Celia, where are you? <laughs> I grabbed his arm. Hold. I'm thinking, oh. Why didn't you send me a headache first? Pray for a headache. Maybe a toothache or an ingrown toenail. Maybe that's even better. But a guy's got a dead limb. Obviously, from that part of Brazil, poor, couldn't go to the doctor. So I said, okay, squeeze my hand. Nothing. And it was cold. So I said, Lord, you need to help me here. So I'm praying for the guy and I'm just praying. And all of a sudden, I touch him. Ah, all that. <laughs> and he has the nerve damage from here down. Like it's dead from here down, but up here it's nerve damage. I just touched him like that. He jumped out of nowhere. All I can describe to you, please don't misunderstand. All I can describe to you is this. I couldn't honestly tell you I felt something, but I knew faith arose inside me and I went, I slapped him on the same arm. And I'm going, I'm pinching him like that, slapping him. He's going, all of a sudden, his arm starts getting warm. I'm freaking out. <laughs> I said to the translator, can he feel anything? He goes, you slapped him. <laughs> I said, I know. But... Anyway, his arm started getting warm. He's looking at me, and he could move his fingers like that. That's all. And I prayed. I don't know how, you know, and, and I walked away, and I thought to myself, 
When I walked away to pray for the next person, now he didn't move his arm, didn't get totally healed or anything like that. But I knew that I touched him, he jumped, but then I started slapping him. I knew when I prayed and we finished, the faith of God came upon me to pray for that guy and challenge that guy to keep coming to church and hear the word of the Lord so you can renew your mind for healing. Because how long can you spend with them? And I, I didn't know the protocol, whether that. But I do know that God came upon me to touch him like that for one minute. And I said, but in the natural, I thought, what have I done when I left? But that's the faith of God. Then comes gifts of healings, miracles, prophecies, distinguishing between spirits or discerning of spirits, and then tongues. And there's obviously the interpretation of tongues. Who can count? The devil knows that you got saved and the blood of Jesus has washed you and the Holy Ghost lives inside you now. And guess what? He knows, oh, I better come down with seven times. He brings eight, him and seven, why? To combat what possibly you could walk in. And what he does, he finds the house, but if it's empty and you're not walking in any of this, and the first one is the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God. He comes again and the end is worse than the beginning. I have seen it with my own eyes so many times. Why the house is empty? Holy Ghost showed me this 10 years ago. That he comes to combat what God's doing. Why? The devil knows, he, the devil knows what we have inside us more than we do. Why is he trying to rob it from you? Why does he just kill you? If he could kill you, he would have. He can't. We won the victory at Calvary, amen? But our job is to fill our life, our inner world, whether it's our world, whether it's the world around us, whether your home. Listen to me, most people come to me for prayer for their kids when they're teenagers. And I said, what were you doing for 15 years, bro? When you got saved and gave your life to Jesus and got filled with the Holy Spirit and you stopped coming or you stopped reading. Don't come here, go somewhere else, but go somewhere and get fed. And yet they're coming to me now, my kid's doing this, my son's doing that, I'm doing this and that. I go, why? You, you weren't sinning. You weren't an evil person. You weren't doing nothing wrong. You're actually a champion person. But you let the house go empty and the enemy walk in, sat on your chair and you didn't even know he was there. Don't fool yourself that you can get by by just ignoring things. Your life today is a representation of what you did yesterday. Every seed that we've sown comes to a harvest one day. Come on, somebody. I know you want to hear a better message, but I've got to love you because I've been down that road. I've been down that road where I'll be right. The blood of Jesus sanctifies me. I'll be right. I'm not under law or under grace. I'll be right. God loves me. He knows my heart. Hogwash. He loves you. He waits for you. He's patient and kind. His mercy endures forever. But don't let the enemy sneak in your house. Because sometimes it's too late. Sometimes it's too late. Because he understands what's inside you. He understands the power that you have on the inside you. He can't combat that. Now, you can relate this to anything, your business, your family, your own household. What about your inner world? The biggest deception is that I'm always worried about someone else and I'm not even looking after my own world. I only wish he would come. Or I only wish he would listen. Or I only wish she would know. Or you hear a message going, you know what, if that person was there... How many times have you said, if only if we get that person saved and you see what would happen with the kingdom and they get saved and it's a disaster. The wisdom of God is, 
God's wisdom is not our wisdom. If I went around the women and asked you, would you ever think that you'd be sitting in this room? You probably, I wouldn't have thought I was sitting here preaching. No chance. Because the enemy's marked you. But guess who marked you more? The blood of Jesus. Come on, somebody. The blood of Jesus. Don't accept where you're at. Don't be the quickest way to lose the anointing, if it's such a word, is get apathy in your life and familiarity in your life. Because you're just familiar. It's just, yeah, another service. I've heard it all before. Right? Are they singing that song again? Is he, he shared that scripture 15 times this week. But God's asking us. Can I prove a point to you? Time's it. Why are you looking at your watch for? Can we go to Luke um, eleven twenty seven? I want to show you something that God spoke to me in the car driving to work one day. Um, at least 18 years ago. So he just said that a house is dry. That the, sorry, the demon goes and looks for rest. He says the house is swept clean and in order, but it's empty. And the end is worse than the beginning. Now, are we, look, listen, now he's continuing what he's preaching now. This one says another chapter and another verse, another heading in, the, in my Bible. Look what he says. So he's talking about all these things, yeah? A demon, this, that. And a lady pops up and says, and it happened as he spoke these things, a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that you bore for you and, and the breast which nursed you. Beautiful. If I, who hasn't heard that from a... If you're a wog, you hear that all the time. They've got this saying, you know. <laughs> blessed. Is she saying anything wrong? Blessed is Mary that carried you, and blessed is that Mary that fed you. Every mother's done that, true? And look what Jesus says. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Is he putting her down? No. He's saying, that's not going to save you. That's not going to fill your house. That's not going to change your truth. Yes, the word of God will fill your inner man. Why? Because the enemy's knocking on your door trying to take over. He ain't going to stop to the day you die. But if I know who I am in Christ, get out of me, devil. In Jesus' name, I have all authority. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me and my children shall all condemn, for we are the heritage of the Lord. For I am the head and not the tail. For Jesus on the cross took my sin, took my shame, took my guilt, took my disease. I've got to walk around the house and say, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus didn't come to bring peace. Vice says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will inherit the earth. Not peacekeepers. A peacekeeper is, you know, when the war's on and they send peacekeepers just to keep the peace. But a peacemaker divides and says, this is how we're going to do things. If you don't like it, get out. Jesus divided. He didn't give you an option. He didn't give the Jews an option because he said, the Bible says that the gospel is a stumbling block to the Jew. <laughs> Sorry, I put some contents in the scripture. Stumbling block to the Jew and foolishness to the Greek. Come back, come back, look at me. Sorry. A stumbling block to the Jew and foolishness to the Greek. The Greek meaning the philosophers 
And we are Greek thinkers. We come in a Western society, we've got Greek, Greco thinking. It's, we want to climb the corporate ladder. We think, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is that's how we think. We think, we think um, vertically. Is that vertical? Checking. Yeah, Venetian blinds go down that way. Right? And, but the Jews and the Western culture and the Middle Eastern cultures and the Islander cultures, they think laterally. They think from the earth relationship. We in here, what time is it? We're going to be somewhere in five minutes. In the village, I'm going to be somewhere in three hours. <laughs> you see the clock at Norton Street? There's only one hour. There's no seconds or minutes. Why? There's nothing that important. You have to be there in five minutes. Ever been, I went to Lebanon, like time stood still. We used to be on the clock on the time. It's foolishness to the Jew. What's foolish? Can I say it this way? The cross, the gospel is foolishness to religious people because they can't accept the grace of God. And it's stupidity to the philosophers. And there's a lot of them out there. They think they're philosophers. And the gospel is to change you and me into the image of his son who saved us and set us free. Come on. It doesn't stop at salvation. That's what the Bible says. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. No demon in hell can touch you unless you give it legal right. If your house is empty, Yes, you acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Yes, you believe the gospel is true. Yes, that you know that if you died now, you'd go to heaven. But your life here today does not reflect heaven. What I mean by that, the Bible says that we are being seated in heavenly places. I have the mind of Christ. Are you getting this? It's up to you to fill your house. Whether it's your inner world, whether it's your household, you got a picture of that house, the, the good one? Actually, it looks like a haunted house, really, but anyway. It's an old picture of a house. It looks like it's been occupied. It looks like it's clean. Look at the next picture. Same house. Someone, someone owns that. Someone has legal right over those deeds. Someone's paid for that. Someone's even lived in that. But if you don't occupy it, look what happens to it. There was a man who owned this house, or a story like this, but a man who owned this house. But he lived in the boat shed on the river. Because he wasn't occupying that house, drug dealers walked in, prostitutes walked in, squatters walked in, and destroyed the house. You know, your inner world is beautiful. God set you free. You're clean. You're his. No one's going to take you out of the palm of his hand. But he's asking you and he's encouraging you. You have an enemy out there. And I can do, because when, when he said to Peter, St. Peter, he said, the devil's asked to sift you, Peter, like wheat. He says, but I have prayed that your faith doesn't fail you, Peter. He didn't say, I rebuked him and I took him away from you. I'm going to guard you. I'm going to... He says, no, 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 this is your job now. See, I gave you the power. The Bible says, all dominions be given to me and I give it unto you. So rise up and see your salvation. Rise up and walk in the, in the knowledge of who God is. If the devil knows what you have on the inside of you, and he goes and gets seven times worse to try and prevent you going into those giftings, how much more should we know? If you know it and you're scared, 
Wow, doesn't that give you encouragement that the Holy Spirit's on your side? Guys, the Spirit of truth, He guides us into all truth. Hallelujah. I preach myself happy. But my heart, please, I love you. My heart is that I've seen, I've seen so many people, the enemy sneak in, and you're not evil, and you've done nothing wrong, and, but, you know, he comes to sneak in. Why? Because he hates you from the day you were born. But there's someone who loved us before we were born. His name is Jesus. And you know what? Can I say this? Even if you're struggling in your walk, you are not your struggles. <laughs> Listen to me. You're not your struggles. Confess them. Repent of them. And keep walking. Don't let whatever. Even if you come out of the, the pit, the miry clay, get back up and keep walking to Jesus. The devil wants you to say, you're not good enough. You fell. You did this wrong. You did that wrong. You stuffed up. And I say, yep, but there's a blood of Jesus that washes me. I'm going to keep walking to you, Lord. I come any way I have to come, but I get into his presence. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. This is a message to encourage you to know your, your enemy and know he's been defeated. Come on, somebody. The Bible says he made a public spectacle in heaven. Jesus, the Bible says, went into hell and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he triumphed and he says he made a public spectacle. In other words, he paraded him. In other words, Jesus was showing off. And it's sad that we don't walk in the fullness of God, what he's done for us. Because of fear. Is your house full of fear? Can you put those weeds back? Leroy, you've got to cut this, all right? That could be fear. That could be shame. That could be guilt. That could be disappointment. That could be trauma. Someone hurt you. What is it in your life that you need to get chopped off? To remove the legal rights so the devil has nothing on you. Can everyone repeat after me? We overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we don't love our life unto death. No matter what happens to you, stand up for truth. Stand up. Don't pick fights you don't need to pick. Don't get involved in things that God hasn't asked you to get involved in because you've got enough. You can't come down and bring down the principality and power in Parramatta when you can't get the lying spirit out of your house. I'm not pointing at anyone. I just want to... <laughs> I wanted to bring down principalities of Parramatta one day. I want to go there and pray and bring it down and this and that. And God says, eh? Control your anger. Can't even get that out. You know... The devil will distract us and push us off track. But what has God called you to do? See, I can't change you. People say he brainwashed him. No, no, no. I can't make you do nothing unless you allow me. People say to me, oh, I'll never be deceived. You already are. For the mere fact that you don't think you can be deceived, you already are. The greatest deception in the body of Christ today is that we can live the way we want and God's going to cover every sin. Sorry, there's a sad day one day. Yes, His grace is sufficient for us. Yes, we come. Grace is the empowerment of His favor on our life and the empowerment to get through. Not a cover-up for sin. That's why I fill my house with prayer, fasting, the Word, worship, fellowship, and that in itself won't save you. But if I'm in the presence of Almighty God, I could fast for one day and God will speak to my heart. 
if you get a revelation, there's, there's gifts. Wisdom, knowledge. How I, God has spoken to me about my kids when they were growing up. This is going to happen. Be ready for it. He didn't say it's not going to happen and stop it. He says, this is going to happen. Be ready for it and prepare me for that day. Doesn't always take you out of the fire, but he's always with you in the fire. Hallelujah. Stand up. It was really heavy on my heart, this message, because the sad thing is I saw a, well, I read an, a story which a, a preacher saw in heaven, and it was a vision, and he wrote it like a story. And it spoke to my heart that Christians are walking, that they got their back turned to the enemy, and they're getting t- taken out one by one with arrows. You remember Rab said the other day about the shield on Wednesday where when you, you're in, a, in a, a posture of prayer with that shield, that big shield, and when you, that shield is when you kneel, it speaks of repentance, speaks of prayer, and you can see your enemy when you kneel. This is talking about soldiers in battle. And the first thing that we started off with was our father. People say they're our father and they know what they're saying. He talks about the Our Father, then he talks about demons for the next 10 minutes. Why? Because the only way you're going to see him coming is if you're in prayer. And Our Father who answered, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, what does that mean? It means how revered and honored your name is. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus brought the kingdom of God onto earth and manifested into you because the kingdom of God is within you. Give us this day our daily bread. He wasn't talking about bread for food. He was talking about the bread of life, the word of God. And I don't want to teach it now. Amen. The daily bread, can I say it this way? Why would God says, give us this day a daily bread when he says, um, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He's not talking about natural bread. He's talking about Jesus, the bread of life. The word of God. Look what he says here. He says, and forgive us our sins. For I also forgive everyone who sin or is indebted to us. The greatest way, listen to me, listen to my heart, listen to my heart, listen to my heart. The greatest way, I've seen it, I've, I've, I've lived it, I've, I've prayed for it. I've walked in a, the greatest way to enter your house is walk in unforgiveness. You can receive nothing from God if you walk in offense and unforgiveness. There are mental institutions full of people, and if you look at the core of it, it's unforgiveness and offense. The Bible says there's only two roots in the Bible that grab deep. The root of the love of money and the root of bitterness. Because you know what happens when the roots grow? They get into every area of your life. Someone done something to you 45,000 years ago and your husband's paying for it today. Or someone did something to you today and you can't keep a relationship because someone hurt you at sixth grade when they dumped you. Or whatever. You've been through a divorce or whatever. Whatever it is, let go of it. That's the quickest way to empty your house. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Prayer. If you're a praying person 
And prayer isn't asking God for things. That could be part of it. Prayer is communicating with God and allowing God to speak to your heart. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Instead of saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I was like that. So I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because if I have Jesus, I'll have everything. No, no, no. If I have Jesus, I'll have everything. And in him is the fullness of God. And then he instructs me and guides me. And guess what? I'll never go lack. I've never seen the righteous beg for bread or forsaken. He has risen and gone before me, people. But your house is your problem. Your house is your inner world, your inner man, your inner life, your inner sanctuary is your responsibility. You cannot point the finger on God and say, you never did this. What did you do? Were you obedient? Were you disobedient? What did you do? But we know we have a great Father in heaven that loves us. Lord, we love you. If you do not know Jesus tonight, I'm not talking about the crucifix on the wall. I'm not talking about the chosen movie. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the true living Jesus. And you haven't bowed your knee to him. Today is the day of your salvation. If you've walked away from him, today is the day to come back. If your house is empty and there's people squatting in there that shouldn't be there, today is the day to clean them out. So, Lord, I thank you tonight. I believe I said what you wanted me to say. But it's your anointing that breaks the yoke, not my words. <laughs> but I stand firm in the love and the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. He is my Lord and my Savior. And today he can be your Lord and your Savior. We thank you, Father, for the wonderful gift of salvation. Truly love us. Those who are sick, put your hand on your sickness right now. God's healing power is here. I don't need to pray for you. He's the healer, not me. And by his wounds, you are healed. When he broke bread on the Last Supper, he was breaking bread first. Then he lifted up the cup. Why? He went to the scourging post first and got whipped first. Then he shed his blood on the cross. Total healing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus washes you. The wages of sin is death. Sin just means to miss the mark. The Bible says we've all fallen short of that. All fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. But the blood cries out and brings us back into line. But the gift is eternal life for those who receive by faith. I declare it and decree tonight, Father, that your word is spoken tonight. That houses will be filled with your glory. Hallelujah. Pentecost is a great picture. A bunch of believers who saw the death and the resurrection of Christ who were in fear of the Jews, but they stayed in one accord. They stayed together. They were all in the upper room together. What were they doing? Praising, praying, worshiping. Look what happens. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on them like tongues of fire and baptizes every single one of them. What was happening in that house? Activity. It wasn't just clean. It wasn't just swept. It was filled with his presence.
And he took over and filled them all. And they started to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them up. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. Today is the day of your salvation. Salvation means zozo. Body, soul, and spirit. And we love you, Jesus. We thank you. Thank you. As a, we are a family. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. So we're all brothers and sisters in the arms of our mighty Father. The Son of God became the Son of Man so the sons of men can become children of God. How beautiful is that picture? We couldn't get to him, so he came to us. He sat in our seat so we could sit next to him in his seat. Hallelujah. He sat in our seat. He sat in the seat of Adam. And now he's placed us next to him at the right hand of the Father. We thank you, Father. We love you. We worship you. We love you. We honor you. We give you all the praise. Fill our house. Fill our temple with your glory. The fullness of God. The character of God. The nature of God. We ask for your wisdom. We ask for your knowledge. We ask for your faith. We ask for your healing power. We ask for your miracles. We ask for your prophetic word. We ask for the discerning of the Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We speak Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Everyone says, Jesus is Lord. Amen. The floor is open if you want prayer. I think God's done a work.